0: Mind we'll get started, and there may be people, some people that kind of uh, stroll in. But uh, I'd love to start off with prayer if you guys are good with that. I hope you are, and uh, and then I, I kind of wrote some things out that I'd like to like to say to kind of get us in the right direction for uh, really the question of where do we go from here. That's like I said, it's been a question I've been battling with um, quite a bit, and uh, probably for the last couple of months. So I'd like to start off with prayer, and like I said, I wrote some things down, so kind of kind of let it go from there. So let's pray, Father. We are. So grateful for uh, the fact that you use us. We're grateful for the fact that that you, uh, the ultimate Almighty, would choose to use us in your plan. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do. And I pray, God, that even today, that we have an opportunity to to just glorify you, even in this meeting. We pray it all in your name, Amen. Um, there on the back of your cards, on the on the cards that were on all the chairs, the ones you got in the mail question was: Is where do we go from here? And um, today, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I know that's like you I shouldn't, anyway. But you know, generally, you know, you you don't want to be so honest. Everybody's like, "Whoa, what just happened?" You know, that kind of thing. But that's the reason why I'm not doing this on a Sunday morning, and instead doing it during a family meeting because I'm not sure if you've ever had to sit through a family meeting, like a real live family meeting, before where you grab all the kids together and everybody has a real honest chat. But that's kind of um, where we're at today, and that's why I called it a family meeting. That's why I wanted to do this, and um, you know, I want to be honest and to the point, and I want to kind of lay my heart out there for you guys to see. I had a group of guys over at my house uh, about a week and a half ago, kind of laid it out with them the same way, so I'd like to do that again even here today. But for the past few months, I've been asking myself, um, I've been asking Christy, I've been asking people in the church, people outside the church, and most of all, God. What are we doing? (laughs) What is what's the point of coming together as Paragon Church? I mean, that is a very real point for me. I don't want to just exist. I mean, I I enjoy church, but at the same time, I don't want to play church. We can all enjoy church anywhere. Um, uh, I was actually talking this week, uh, even as kind of went over um, all this stuff, saying, hey, here comes a family meeting, kind of even talking to myself. I do that a lot. Uh, tomorrow I get to drive to Alamogordo and back, so I'll have more time to talk to myself after this meeting. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought of it this way. The best way to describe what we're doing, how we're doing, is, is maybe we're in a rut. And um, I I'd say that uh, in a way that it's, it's a muddy rut as well, that every time we try and get out, we're kind of sliding right back into it. Anybody ever gone hunting and got I- to experience that or are driven in that road? And, um you kind of get stuck in it, and as you get stuck in it, as you move it through it, you know, people are creatures of habit, and as we look at, at being pe- uh, creatures of habit, too many of us um, are a lot like that sign on, I'm not sure if you've ever heard the illustration of the sign on the Alaskan Highway that says, choose your rut wisely because you're going to be stuck in it for the next 200 miles, and, and, and that's kind of where we're at. Um, in talking to people, w- we like ruts as much as we don't want to admit it, we like ruts because... We know exactly wh- where it's taking us. It. We're just going in it. There you don't have to turn. You don't have to do anything. You just do the same thing. It's routine. The problem with ruts is uh, they're described to be a lot like a grave with both ends knocked out. You know, it, we got to get out of it. we got to get out of the rut. How do we do it, though? What do we do? Where do we go from here? And, you know, I, I looked at it. I kind of started thinking about it, and I looked at my kids, and my kids are great. They ask too many questions, though. Okay. Uh, how many of you guys have kids ask too many questions? Yeah, exactly. You know what's great about kids asking too many questions? They're never stuck in a rut. Cuz they're always questioning what's next, how, why, when, all of those things like that. They're never stuck in a rut. So I started saying, you know, if they're asking questions, why don't why don't we ask some questions? Why don't we talk about this? Why don't we make sure that we're not in a rut just doing the same thing every week? And you know, maybe for you, you don't see it that way. And I wake up and I breathe this church. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, that's what I think about. When I go to bed at night, that's what I think about. It actually probably takes up too much of my time, because my family's the one who has to sit along with me and listen to me say, "Well, what about this?" And they're like, "We don't care, Dad. We just want to go to Cracker Barrel. That's it." You know that, that that and that's kind of the the thinking in it all. How do we do this? And I said, you know, maybe there's this question coming up over and over and over again. I want to see our church succeed. But what is success? You know, what do we have to measure the success? Wh- wh- how do we get to where we need to go? Wh- how do we get out of the rut? Or if we're in the rut, how do we make sure the rut's going in the right direction? You know, how do we make these things said? A, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a um, conference, lives of Life student conference with all of our kids. And a guy by the name of Vody Bacham got up and talked. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Odie Balkum. He's a big black guy that's a preacher down in Spring, Texas. And he has just a great ministry down there, great communicator. And he got up and he said, you know what? There's four questions in life. The four questions in life that either we will, we have, or we are asking. The four questions are this. Who am I? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world? And how can what is wrong be made right? Those are the four questions that everybody asks themselves. At some point in time, we ask ourselves that in this life, me included. And I thought even more so, our church included. Who am I? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world and how can what's wrong be made right? You take answers from culture. If you were to ask those questions outside of the church, somebody who doesn't go to church, doesn't think about it, how would you answer who am I? Curious. Outside of the church, have nothing to do with Christ, nothing to do with anything. How would you answer? Who am I? Vocation. What else? Father. Relationship. Ordinary. Wife. How about accident? When you really think about it, what's the thing that created us if God did not? An accident. That's what we basically boil ourselves down to. If we are to say we are outside of Christ, that we don't believe in a God, you're an accident. You are an evolutionary process that just happened to be because this and that happened over a long period of time. You're an accident. And that's, that's how people approach it. And ultimately, it means you're nothing. As terrible as that sounds to say, that is the mindset. And you look at culture even today. That is the way people operate. Why am I here? Well, in culture, I'm here to consume and enjoy. That's it. Because I'm an accident. I'm only here for a little while, and I'm going to make the best of it while I'm here. I'm here to consume, and I'm here to enjoy. Uh, Go back to John Rockefeller. Maybe you've heard him say this. Somebody asked him a question one time. How much money is enough? You know what his answer was? Just a dollar more. Just a dollar more. That's it. That's what we're here for, to consume and to enjoy. And when we're done consuming and enjoying, we're dead. That's it. What's wrong with the world? If you ask somebody outside the church, what's wrong with the world? There's two big things that come up. Education, people aren't educated enough. Or number two, government. Those are the two things that are wrong with the world. Either you're not educated enough or you're not governed enough. There's not enough government awareness. That's the reason why every answer to every question is, well, the government needs to put together this to make people aware of that. People need to be more educated. People are suffering with AIDS. Well, what do we need to do? Well, we need to put together AIDS awareness. I mean, that's just the answer that that they have for all that. So if you go to how can what's wrong be made right, well, that's it. That's the education part of it all. Education through government control. And that really is our culture's way to look at it. Now, flip it on the other side. How does it look at from the perspective of Jesus? How does it look at from a Christian perspective? How does it look from... A church perspective. Who am I? Who are you? Honestly, as a Christian, you can't know who you are until you know who Jesus Christ is. Because that's who you are. And that is the answer to it all. Why am I here? All things are created through him and for him that everything he might be made preeminent in him. We're here to glorify God. That's what we're here for. Now, you take that as a church. What's wrong with the world? What do you think is wrong with the world? I am. I'm, I'm what's wrong with the world. And you are. We are sinners, and we're sinners saved by grace. That is what's wrong with the world. So how do we fix it? How do we fix it? Well, it can only be made right through substitutionary love of Jesus Christ. And we understand that, but they out there do not. So how do we get it there? And that's, that's the questions that I've been battling around in my mind. So as a church, who are we? Why are we here? What's wrong with the world and how do we fix it? If you take those as a church, what do we do? How do we answer that? I know that's a heavy, heavy question. I'm smacking you upside the head like with a 2 by 4 right now. I understand that. But I've been beating myself up with that same 2 by 4 for months. And that's part of the reason why I'm like, oh, i, I got to tell somebody. i got to tell somebody, wh- why do we do what we do? You ever stop and thought, well, why do we get up and go to church on a Sunday morning or s- stay up and go to church on a Saturday night? Why? What is the overall purpose? Why does somebody serve in the nursery? Why does somebody serve in the preschool? Why does somebody make coffee? Why, 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 why? You ever thought about that? Probably not, because we just do it. Doesn't every church just do it? Isn't that what every church is supposed to do? No. Who said no? Thank you. That's not what we're supposed to do, but that is what we do. You go to any church, and they're going to look pretty much the same as us, except their classrooms will be this size. Their sanctuary will be a little bit bigger. But they do the same thing. They have somebody who makes coffee. They have somebody who teaches school. They have somebody who preaches. They have somebody who leads. They have people who sit. That's That's it, but that shouldn't be it. Because when it says, who are we and why are we here, the answer is not to consume and enjoy. That's the world's answer, not the church's answer. Why are we here? And that is the question that has been battling me. That is the question that I've been knocking my head against the wall with. That is the question that goes over and over and over again. And when we grasp the answers to those questions, that is when we will know where do we go from here. And that's why I called a meeting. That's why I said, hey, we need to talk about this. Because as much as I love this church, I'll tell you something. If I had a choice, I don't know if I were one of you, I would attend here. Cuz there's more out there to consume and enjoy at another church than there is in here. So why come here? Why do we want our friends to come Excuse me, our friends to come here? Why do we want our neighbors to come here? What is it? What is it that can make us different? You see, I wrote down when we say who or what are we and why are we here? I don't think I've done a good job personally, communicating that. You know, we had the the group of guys sitting in my living room, and as we talked about it in my living room, one of the guys said, you know, we're not really a praying church. We're not really reaching out. We're just a traditional church. We do traditional things. We have a traditional mindset. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that in a way of, We're trying to compete with all of that that's out there, but we can't. We can't compete with everything that's out there. I'm just going to use sagebrush as an example. Great church. I know Todd, the pastor there, He's done a great job building it up to what it is. But you know what we're not going to be? Sagebrush. We can't be. We can't compete against that. Not that we're in competition, but in some aspects, I have people come and say, hey, we're not going to go to Paragon anymore because we're going to go to Sagebrush because it has more to offer. It stings a little bit, but it's true. It does have more to offer in the way of children's ministry. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with our children's ministry, but I had two kids come to me this morning and say, why are we only doing kids' ministry once a month? You know, when we do it in the afternoons, what if we'd be setting up right now? I said, honestly, we don't have enough people to come in and be here every week. And that's painful to say because we have enough people. We just don't have enough people volunteering to do that. So how do we change that? Because we can't compete against Sagebrush. Sagebrush has got people all over the place. And I'm not bagging on Sagebrush in any way, shape, or form. But they are doing church differently than we should be. We're not trying to be them. You know what we're trying to be? What God wants us to be. Paragon. So what do we have? That is different. God made it very clear to me last week. I was sitting at the fair. Working at a booth. Sitting on a stool. Very similar. Just like this. And as I was sitting there. Multiple people came through. Good handful of them from Rio Rancho. I asked them, hey, where do you go to church at? They would tell me. Most of them, Sagebrush. But you know what their one complaint was while they were there at Sagebrush? I hate just being a number. That's what they told me. And I said, that makes sense. Because when there's 6,000 people there, my guess is, as well as I know Todd, I bet he doesn't know all 6,000. I bet he doesn't know their story. I bet he doesn't know their name. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes us different. It's because I know almost all of you. And if I don't know you, your connection group leader does. Or one of the other people that you sit next to in church that you sit next to every week because we're really not that big. And really, when it comes right down to it, when it comes right down to it, what is the point of church? I mean, what's the what's the point of church? If you take Jesus at the end of Matthew, we'll get there eventually on Sunday mornings, I promise. If you take Jesus at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18, 19, and 20, Last verse is recorded by Matthew. This is what Jesus says. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority. There's that authority thing again. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make big churches of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them in children's programs and all sorts of things like that. Right? No, what's it say? Go and make disciples. How does discipleship making happen? One-on-one, relationships, the ability to connect with each other, interactions. That's it. That's it. When we can grasp that idea, I think we're going. I think we're going someplace. You know, somebody asked me, and said, well, what's the, what's the big goal for Paragon? You know what my big goal for Paragon is? It's to plant other churches. It's develop up leadership within our church, to plant other churches. I don't need to be huge. I don't want my face on every screen. I'm not that attractive. I understand that. And, and when I, I think about that, it's not about me. And a lot of times, you know, there's a there's a church, uh, I won't give the, the name of it, but there's a church back east that they actually took an, out an insurance policy on their pastor. Because if something happened to him, they're afraid that when his personality steps away from the stage, their church is going to collapse. It's one that has multiple campuses, multiple video venues. He's on everything. They're afraid. Actually, the bank wouldn't even let them take out a loan on their church until they put the insurance policy in place because they wanted to make sure the bank loan would get paid off. There's something wrong with that. It's great to be able to reach out to people. It's great to have a big, huge facility. I wouldn't mind it. But at the same time, I'd be more happy saying we have a paragon here and we have a paragon there and we have a paragon there and we have a paragon there to reach out in Northern Meadows and Enchanted Hills and in Cabazon and wherever God needs us to be at. But how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I think it's the same way that First Baptist did it with us. First Baptist developed me, whether or not they knew it or not, but they developed me to be able to go out on my own. And there was people within the church that had built up the leadership that said, yes, we'll step into that role, we'll step into that role, we'll step into that role. They'd been discipled. They had one-on-one training. They had people that they worked with. And because of that, we're here today. And that's an awesome thing. So how do we do that? How do we replicate that? How do we get to that point? If the goal is to make disciples, and we're here to make disciples, are we doing it? And if we're not, why not? And if we are not, how can we? That's the questions. Those are the questions. Once again, all these come back, come back, come back to my brain. And in it all, the answer of how we make disciples, you know what it is? Anybody have any idea on what it takes to make disciples? Relationships, that's good. Volunteers, show them the love of God. All those things tied in together are exactly right. And you know what the answer is? You have to be a disciple before you can make a disciple. You have to be a disciple. You have to have somebody pouring into you to have the love of God shown to you, which makes me want to go shove the lo- love of God of others. You have to have somebody volunteer and invest in me so I can have somebody volunteer. Same thing, over and over. If we are being invested into, we will want to invest. That's why it says go and make disciples. As you are going, as a matter of fact, is the way the words are, which means it's not uh, being sent out. It's wherever you go. Make a disciple. And we make disciples by relationship. We make disciples by action. And if our actions are speaking as much as our words that we are followers of Christ, people are going to want to know. Because the answer of who am I, I am nothing, isn't good enough. That's the reason why people ask the question. And when you know who Christ is, you know who you are. And that changes everything. As a follower of Christ, he transforms our minds, our desires, our wills, our relationships, and ultimately our reason for living. Why do we exist? Second question, is it to consume and enjoy? I am a, so irritated, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I told you this. It's an honesty to me. I am so irritated with the way that Christians act. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And I probably irritate other people by the way that I act. But when I see Christians do things that do not glorify God, <coughs> excuse me, that they go to church merely to consume and enjoy. Urgh! That's not what the church is about. And that bothers me. And I'm like, once again, I told you, I'm gonna be really honest and I probably should I'm probably saying more than I should, but I'm saying it anyway, and it's on recording even better. So the, the the whole thing is is what do we do? We're not here to consume. We're not here to enjoy. Do we consume and enjoy? Yeah, that's part of the benefit, but that's not why we're here. Why are we here? Once again, to make disciples. How do we do it? We be a disciple. We invest in others as others are investing in us. And that's what it's about. Listen to what Romans chapter 10 says. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You've probably heard that before. But the next part's a great question that Paul asks. How then will they call on them whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in the one whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed in what has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's our job to go as we are going, to be disciples, to make disciples, to share the word, to do that. Are we doing it? Is that the purpose of our church? Or is our purpose of our church to enjoy music on Sunday and some subpar preaching? What is it? Where are we at? I mean, that's really the thought process of it all. Some of you are like, wait a second, I thought this meeting was to determine if we're going to do two services or three services. Where are we and where are you going with this? That is very true. That is part of the purpose of this meeting. But before we decide that, I think we need to decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and why it matters to do two services or three services. That's the very real thing. And I know I took you on a long journey just now, and all of you are like, wow, I should have stayed home. Um, and I understand that. Th- I always think I should have stayed home too, but that's okay. Um, you know, we have some great things that are working here at the church. And we have some things that are really struggling. And, you know, once again, being honest, most people don't really pay that close of attention to the things that are struggling, but I do. Because when they struggle, it all end, ends up falling on me. And, and I go, oh, man, Christy, can you work the nursery today? Because there's nobody else in there. You know, whatever it might be. Uh, we're short on nursery workers. We're shor- short on, on children's workers. I mean, Melanie, you guys work every other weekend, right? Every weekend. Okay, even better. Yeah. Yeah, and the and And that's it. That, that's, th- that's not good. That's not the way it should be. How did it get to that point? Why are we there? You know, when we say, should we do two services or three services? I say two services just to give the volunteers a break. However... Is that the reason why we make a decision, because we don't have enough people stepping up? Just a a simple question. Do we make a decision because of that? I I don't think so. We need to see what and who we are, and then we need to figure out how to get some goals, almost a destination on our map. I mean, if you really think about it, if we are going to go on a trip and I say, hey, guys, load up, where are we going? I don't know. Get some stuff. Well, if we're going to the mountains, I'm going to take some mountain stuff. If we're going to the beach, I'm going to take something different. Where are we going? Pack whatever. We'll get there. Nobody would do that. That doesn't That doesn't make sense. But that's somehow how a church operates, and sometimes I feel like that's how we operate. We're just going and bring what you got, and if use it, we can. If not, then no big deal. You know, we need to be specific. So if we want to plant more churches, let's say we have a 2020 goal. We have Five and a half years till 2020. It's crazy, as that thing? Uh, my son will have graduated high school. Uh, it's crazy to even think about. You people that have already been there, you understand what's probably going through my mind right now. But how do we get there? How do we how do we plant churches by 2020? Do we continue a traditional church model? Because you know what, we're not a traditional church, and I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, hymns and all that kind of stuff. But but we do traditional things. We have. Coffee, we have meet and greet. We have songs, we have message. We have one more song, we have closing. That's what all the traditional churches do. But at the same time, the traditional churches have children's things that are going on. And they have all the different things that are taking place. And so people's, I hate to say this, but people's needs are met. The the things that they think they need are being met. We can't compete with that. So what do we do? How do we fill our niche as a church how do we make disciples how do we build up leadership to say we're sending you all out how do we do that that is the question because what do we do we have to do something that other churches don't that's what we have to do but the question is how, when, why, where all that fun That's what I want to discuss today.